If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the PSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies, and on this episode of the podcast... Hope you're ready for a deep dive on Jeff Hoffman. Uh, We may get into some other things here if the Facebook Live crew comes through with some questions. I got one comment from the site and one email that I wanted to get to, but I was hoping to get one or two more uh, questions that are kind of outside of the rat race uh, to make a mailbag podcast. Uh, I think that'll be a second episode probably later on today. But for this, I actually did want to give the story of Jeff Hoffman and what he has accomplished in his last two outings a little bit of a deeper dive here because I do think that it's worthy of it. As much as it may feel strange to say, look, the topic of the day is this guy who... Quite frankly, a couple of weeks ago, like most of you, I had, I don't want to say I'd I'd given up on him. I don't give up on baseball players. I don't think you should. I don't think that's really how that works. There are just way too many stories of guys figuring it out a little bit later in their careers. But I had certainly come to the point where I really didn't think it was likely that Jeff Hoffman was going to show up for the Colorado Rockies in 2020 spring training. I mean, even be there. Um, He had just done so poorly this season with his opportunities, 
and last season with his opportunities and the handful of times he came out of the bullpen, he just wasn't showing progress. And everyone's getting knocked around in the PCL, so it's hard to take that seriously too, but he wasn't exactly dominating in AAA either. And given the Rockies' injuries and earlier in the season just needs at fifth starter, Hoffman had every chance to win that job. And every opportunity he was given to do so, he wasn't just not inspiring. He didn't just not win the job. He would at most ever have one good outing at a time, followed by two or three, four disasters. I mean, games where he just lost the whole ball game for his club. And that's it. You're done. And the last time, before these two most recent outings, the last time we saw Hoffman at the big league level was one of the worst of those. He gave up five home runs in the first two innings. Lasted only two, I believe he gave up seven runs. That is the definition of terrible pitching. You have basically lost the game for your team in the first two innings. And he went back to AAA, and I think a lot of us thought we may never see Jeff Hoffman pitch for the Colorado Rockies again. It was that bad. And it was a culmination of badness. But then, there's a couple of decent games down in AAA. Goes about implementing a mechanical change that I'm going to get into here in just a second. And he comes back out. And the first pitch he throws at Coors Field is a home run. And you think, well, here we go again with Jeff Hoffman. But since then, all he's given up are the two home runs last night to a couple of home run hitters in Hosmer and Machado. Other than that, he's pitched very clean, crisp, quality baseball. And I'm not just looking at box scores here. I'm not just talking about Hey, he's been wriggling out of damage but not giving up runs in any of these other innings. He's been borderline dominant, including in the fourth inning last night when he struck out the side. He did walk a guy in there. But all of a sudden, his fastball is going to the edges instead of just staying belt high or running back over the middle of the plate. And that has allowed him to use his curveball, which has always been good. You just can't throw it every time. If guys can wait back on it, they can wait to see if it falls out of the zone or wait till it drops in the middle of the zone and hammer it. But if you have a fastball that they have to respect, which all of a sudden Jeff Hoffman does, 
he becomes a scary pitcher. The stuff has always been there. We've talked about this with Hoffman, it feels like, a hundred times. The reason he was a top 10 draft pick by the Toronto Blue Jays, the reason he was the centerpiece of the Troy Tulowitzki trade, and the reason why he put up some pretty good numbers in the minor leagues uh, in both the Blue Jays and Rockies system, and it was the reason why in his initial taste of the big league something people tend to forget in the Jeff Hoffman story was that that first taste he got in 2017 May of 2017 he was phenomenal I I think he had six or seven straight starts where he was going into the sixth or seventh inning and giving up two or fewer runs and striking out eight to ten guys like that absolutely fantastic pitching and then after that he's been this other thing And this is where you get into a very difficult trick. With a ball player, and you can cross-apply this to a lot of other people, we're sticking with Jeff Hoffman. We've only got a small sample size of two games here. He's going to get the rest of this season. He should. You you could almost want to pitch Jeff Hoffman every four days now just to see, but you can't. You can't do that. Keep him every fifth. He's going to get a couple more starts in here. I'll get to the mechanical change again, like I said, in just a second here. But if something fundamental has changed with Jeff Hoffman, that totally changes the equation. And this is what's so tough in the game of baseball, because there are two truths. One is that we have so much data, you cannot ignore it. When you've got a game where people accrue 600 at-bats a year, and several thousand innings of repetition, a couple hundred games, you know, every couple of years you're playing 200-plus games. There's a lot of information that we can't just ignore. And Jeff Hoffman is a player who has accumulated enough data that we can't just ignore what he has been, how hittable he's been, etc., etc. However, when somebody changes something about the way they play the game, it does render much of that past data a little more suspect because it was based on what he was doing then. The big question is, is it enough? Baseball has always been a game of adjustments. We talked about this in the Chad Bettis conversation, how difficult the adjustments are that Rockies pitchers have to make. And Hoffman said something really interesting after his last game at Coors about how getting absolutely obliterated may have been what he needed to finally accept that he needed to make a fundamental change. Now, of course, with a couple of good outings under his belt, he's going to come out and say, this is because of the changes I've made. We talk about the, the Mike Talkman issue a lot this year. Of course, when you start performing well, you're going to point to the things that are different and say, that's the reason why. It may be. It may not be. For Hoffman, he has claimed, and here's where I'll get into it, that he was falling away from his pitching arm and that this had been a comfortable way of throwing for him for a while, and he felt like he could get a little extra velo out of doing it, but that he was just losing his command 
and that he had been sort of reluctant. He even intimated he'd kind of been battling with his pitching coaches over this and that just getting knocked around enough times finally convinced him that he needed to try to pull his arm in closer to his body and come down more over the top in his release. He had been fading, creating too much distance between his right shoulder and his right arm upon release point. And he's pulled that all in, more compact, more downhill. And that's how, and the thing is, this is also not rocket science. Most pitchers will tell you that's how you should throw. And whether or not he can even continue to do it properly and not naturally start to fall back into his old habits is another story altogether. But if a guy who naturally throws a 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball with a big sweeping 12-6 to curve still needs to develop his third pitch a little bit more, whether it's going to be the changeup or the slider. But if he can suddenly command, and that's what it's been, it's not guys are just missing him. He's just getting lucky. He's getting all the help from his defense. No, he's pitching better. That's why he's getting better results. The fastball is low and away instead of just low. Or it's up and away instead of just up. It's up and in instead of just in. Like he's, he's getting more to the corners of the zones, more regularly with his fastball, which keeps guys off of the curveball, which is a legitimate major league swing and miss pitch. And that's part of the reason why Hoffman has gotten so many opportunities because some of his pitches are just, I mean, they're, the stuff-wise, the fastball is also a legitimate major league pitch but not if you throw it right down the middle or even if you throw it middle up, middle down, middle away, middle in. It's got to be up and away, low and away, low and in. And that's where he's really had trouble is with the control inside the zone. That's what he's been doing the last two starts. If he does it again for two more starts, now you're in this weird place all over again with Jeff Hoffman. And you have to wonder, is this a fool's gold, small sample size thing? And, and this is why you have to watch very, very closely. And not just look at the box score, not just look at the numbers and go, yeah, okay, he had a good final month, but then there's this sample size of the 30 games he pitched in before that where he was terrible. Like, okay, True, and again, you cannot just ignore all of that, but you do have to say, so what was different? Look at a little bit of film. This would probably be something that Patrick and I can break down in the offseason. And if he's a totally new, totally new, he's the same pitcher, but if it's a new delivery, if the new mechanic is really what is to be credited for the change in results, and he can continue them. And now all of a sudden you've got yourself a pitcher in Hoffman who can give you more often than not what he's done the last two times out. You've got a really good candidate for fourth or fifth rotation starter next season. And I know that no matter what he does to finish out the season, there are going to be some people who are not only not excited by the prospect of Jeff Hoffman being in the starting rotation next season, it's going to make them angry. And I understand why that would be the case. Like I said, two weeks ago, I thought we'd never see him pitch in purple again. And now, 
I think there's a small chance he's your opening day fifth rotation starter, and it's actually a good thing. We need to see more of this. We need to understand the the real major factor in what's going on. If he comes out a couple more times and gets shelled, ignore everything. I just just delete this whole podcast. I guess at that point, if he just, if he gets shelled his next couple times out, that that's got to be it. I mean, he's pitching for his job, and he knows that. And and there's something to that too. But if a guy comes out and shows you what he's made of in a time when he is pitching for his job, I think it's fair to say okay. You made the adjustment you needed to make. Show us you can continue to do it. He's certainly not going to be handed the job, but right now it still looks like the top four is Marquez, Gray, Freeland, and then Lambert. So you're talking about can Hoffman get into a position where he's challenging Lambert for fourth starter? Yes, and this is also another reminder that the Rockies should probably go out and uh, make a bid to add some starting pitching here. But... There is also something to be said for a guy with the stuff of Jeff Hoffman, if he can put it together. Uh, he, he still does have a relatively small amount of innings pitched at the major league level in his career. But keep your eye on the, the command of the fastball. If he comes out his next couple times and starts, he keeps coming over the top. The delivery looks good. The velo looks good. He's putting the fastball in the corners, and he keeps striking out eight guys and going five to six innings and giving up three or fewer runs. You have to very seriously consider that he may have turned a corner at this point in his career. No matter how many times you feel like you've been fooled and burned by this exact pitcher before or other pitchers who've been like it, you at least have to remain open to that possibility. And at the very least, Jeff Hoffman can earn himself an invite to 2020 spring training here. And if he puts together two more starts like the last two he's done, you got to at least invite him out there to Scottsdale and, and hope he pitches well there and that he can be a valuable piece for you and that you don't just have to eat this difficult part of the Troy Tulowitzki trade as some kind of just – Hope that Jesus Tinoco works out. Otherwise, all you get got from the Tulo trade was out from some money. Um, but anyway, uh, if you're if you're feeling not enthused about any of that, you can always feel a little more enthused by swinging over to Breckenridge Brewery or Total Bev or anywhere else where they've got Breck Brews, the official beer of BSN Denver. They got the oatmeal stout. They got the vanilla porter. Of course, the avalanche amber ale and the beer of the summer, the strawberry sky. No matter which one you get, you'll be drinking damn good beer. Uh, it'll help you enjoy uh, the baseball game as best you can. <laughs> they got another one coming up uh, this afternoon. Just trying to see if maybe they could win a series. That would be new and different, uh, but... Uh, yeah, if, you, if you've if you got your Breckenridge brew by your side, uh, you know you'll be doing well. You can also check out our events calendar over at bsndenver.com. we got watch parties for all the other sports coming up. Not doing any baseball watch parties, I, I don't think. Maybe we can do an unofficial one at the end of the year, just get together, and we can all drink some Breckenridge brews and, and sort of uh, try to wash away whatever it was this whole season. Uh, was about it it's been a tough one for sure i'm going to take a quick break here come back on the other side of it uh, see if i can 
wrap up, I guess, the rest of what it was we saw yesterday in the non-Jeff Hoffman category and then maybe answer a question or two. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums, so sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more Welcome back in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by the Green Solution. As well you know, I guess we're going to talk a little bit here about uh, non-Jeff Hoffman news from yesterday's baseball game. There really wasn't much. The Colorado Rockies managed to record a grand total of three base hits. They did draw five walks they really only had a couple of opportunities to score probably the most frustrating one was uh, the inning I believe it was the fifth the top of the fifth that Nolan Arenado and Ian Desmond led off with back-to-back walks Ryan McMahon swung at the first pitch in the next at bat ground into a double play then Garrett Hampson popped up nothing and and it was just man if ever there was a, a symbol for how the entire season has has gone there there was another one there have been plenty of them throughout the year but there was one uh right there that was just kind of a a brutal sequence of events and I, and I don't think that it was necessarily you know bad for McMahon to swing at the first pitch there you know if he puts it in the gap no one's getting on him for swinging at it 
it is tough when the guy's walked the first two in front of you. There's two different schools of thought on that. One is he's wild. He doesn't have his command. Make him prove he can throw a strike. The other is he hasn't thrown a strike. He's trying to get the feel for throwing a strike. He probably assumes you're taking. He might just pipe one right down the middle here. It's going to be the best pitch you're going to see all at bat. Go ahead and take a hack at it. Uh, don't just stand there and look at strike one and, and put yourself behind in the count. Uh, I think McMahon was anticipating that second one. I think he got a pitch he maybe could have handled. He just didn't quite execute the swing on it. Uh, got the the double play ball. In the immortal words of Harry Ralston Black, that is indeed baseball. But uh, that was pretty much it from your offense. They, you know, I, I think they did a decent job to try to stay patient all night. They they took their walks. They just couldn't hit them where they ain't. They couldn't get underneath it. Couldn't drive the ball over the wall. They had a couple of fly balls into the the deeper parts of the outfield, but they just couldn't get the big hit when they needed to. And it was another reminder that as much as most of this season has been about the pitching, games like this are why the offensive players aren't just coming to the media every day and saying, oh, man, could you just get us some pitchers? Uh, not only that, but really all, each of the last two years, in 2017 and 2018, the team has been more challenged offensively they've looked like they did last night much more often and as such in fact Nolan Arenado said this to me on record in an article I wrote I can't remember the headline off the top of my head but this season he said you know yeah the last couple of years the pitching bailed us out so many times I would talk to Nolan after games he was man we pitched so well tonight we just couldn't get that hit we couldn't get the key hit the big hit the the RBI hit and they've been much better at that this season, but it hasn't mattered as much because they can't pitch. But a lot of it, too, has been the sequencing, the whack-a-mole season where it just seems like, and maybe there's a way for me to quantify this. I'd probably have to go through the game logs of all 162, and maybe when I do finally do an autopsy of whatever the hell happened to this 2019 Rocky season, I can do that, just go through each of the game logs and, and try to figure out, you know, if this is true. But it just seems like the case that when the Rockies do get good pitching, individual games of really good pitching, like they got last night, uh, yeah, they gave up three runs, but very few base runners, and it was three runs on two swings, really. You know, the, the, so the Padres had two swings that were better than anything the Rockies could put together offensively. It just, it just seems like every time that happens, you know, uh, or another one would would be, I, I mentioned the, the Hoffman game earlier. We were talking about the game where he went two innings and gave up seven runs. And then the bullpen comes out and pitches seven innings of zero-run baseball. When the bullpen hadn't put together seven innings of zero-run baseball in months. Or, or, or in the last month combined, maybe, you know? And, and so why, why is it that when the game is already out of hand, then the bullpen can come in and perform well? Or when they finally do get good starting pitching and a good bullpen effort, like they saw yesterday, Sam Howard pitched well, Wes Parsons pitched well, um, uh, Joe Harvey, I thought, looked good. I was trying to remember who else tossed it. Did I leave out a reliever? Uh, but didn't give up any runs. And, and like I said, Hoffman went five and two-thirds. 
and was basically just touched twice. He happened to walk a guy in front of the second home run, so it's three to nothing. Like that's six innings and three runs out of your starter. You you know, as a as a Rockies team, you ought to be able to win that baseball game more often than not. But for some reason this year, they can't hit when they pitch. They can't pitch when they hit. When they get good starting pitching and good hitting, then their bullpen falls apart. When they get bad starting pitching and bad hitting, then the bullpen's great. And all and it just and it's just trading off like that all year. So I don't know if there like I said, I don't know if there's a way to fully quantify it, but we saw another one last night. So that's why when I pointed I even had somebody because my headline last night was offense lets down Hoffman and Bullpen and lost to Padres. And somebody responded back, Hey, the bullpen's let down the offense plenty of times, fella. And I was like, I know, I know that. I I obviously know that. I've I've been there. Um but it has gone both ways, certainly one way more than the other. But ironically enough, this is part of why there's no splintering in the clubhouse, why there's no you know, real resentment going on. Because as much as fans maybe don't want to put this on Nolan Arenado, and I've talked about before how they're reluctant to put, I think, a, a, the right amount of blame on Kyle Freeland because he's from Denver. Uh, also because it's just sort of inconvenient. That's just a player having a really bad year who may be better next year as opposed to being able to point your finger at someone who should be fired because that you know is more cathartic. But whatever it is, like these pitchers have gone through some really rough times here this season, but... There are still so many signs that they're going to be, at least, you know, Marquez and Gray, we've talked about. You feel pretty good moving forward. Freeland, I really do think, is going to turn it around here. And so I get why fans have been a little bit more reluctant to place blame in, in and Nolan and, and Trevor guys who you know are going to continue to be good. And so there is this understanding that, like, yeah, even if they happen to also be terrible in July, and they were, Nolan particularly was very bad in July when the rest of the team was. That's why he's not pointing fingers, and that's why, you know, fans may be out there saying, you know, you think he feels bad about that contract? No. You know what Nolan Arenado feels bad about right now? That he didn't have a very good season either. His numbers overall might look very similar to what they've been. But, you know, that's for people that look at baseball only in a vacuum, only on a spreadsheet. If you go back and look at this season, the times that the Rockies were terrible coincide directly. I mean directly with times that Nolan Arenado was terrible. And you know what? He knows that. It's it's just true. And performing super awesome now that the team is out of it doesn't do a whole lot to alleviate that. You don't get to just turn around and say, well, I'm playing awesome now. How come you guys aren't winning baseball games? Well, you know, what did Nolan do offensively last night? And you can't expect him to do it every single game. And, I'm, and again, I'm not putting it on him. I'm not, I'm not saying the fans should be blaming Nolan Arenado more. I'm saying they recognize that They've all played their roles. So, no, Nolan's not mad right now that he signed that contract. He's mad that 
his poor play has helped lead to what's going on with the Rockies right now. It's not just one unit that you can blame or one player that you can blame or one manager that you can blame or one general manager that you can blame. And that's almost more frustrating than the other way, right? Where you could just point at one guy and say, let's get rid of him and we'll be awesome again. So, you know, good game from the bullpen. Good game from Jeff Hoffman. Terrible game from the offense. Who, by and large, has been much improved this year. And they've done their part more than they did the last two years, but it hasn't mattered. It's irrelevant at this stage. Though, for those of you who are still watching baseball games, it would probably be nice to see a winning performance every once in a while and it was tough to see them break a nine game losing streak and then just immediately turn around and lose again and losing in in very non-competitive fashion like it's tough to watch these games when they're only throwing out three base hits no amount of excitement there's been some nice defense the last couple of plays obviously nolan the other night you know but that's not a lot to hang your hat on at this point We'll all be watching Melville and Hoffman, and it'll be interesting to see if Hoffman's performance can turn up the heat on Peter Lambert a little bit, like I was talking about. Uh, Lambert, you know, he's he's got some competition now for, uh, hopefully for that fifth rotation spot. If the Rockies can go out and sign, let's say they sign Tanner Roark or someone like him, and they go into next season with Gray, Freeland, Marquez, Roark, and then they've got themselves a nice little competition between Lambert, Hoffman, maybe Senzatella, maybe Chris Russin, like all these other fringe guys. I, I need to have the whole Chris Russin conversation on the next podcast as well, by the way. That's been kind of interesting that he's a starter again. That could be more of a thing, I think. Tim Melville, where does he fit into all of this in the future? That's a nice competition for your fifth spot if you've got a solid fourth guy there. So this could get really interesting in a positive way for the Rockies. And if Lambert can see that Hoffman's doing well now and and he does have a bit more experience and a bit more age, and Lambert, you know, he's had the excuse for a little while here. Rightfully, he's 22. He was rushed to the big leagues. It's his first stint. He's got plenty of time ahead of him to get better. But, you know, where it looked like he was kind of just the heir apparent as young guy you got to give an opportunity to, Hoffman has put his name right back into that category, and you've got to pay attention to him now. So we'll see how Lambert comes out and does. I think I'm going to wrap up there. It's been fantastic on this Sunday morning into the afternoon chatting with all of you. Uh, hoping to have another one come out today where I answer a, a few extra questions. And I agree, Will, that Sensatella should probably be moved to the bullpen. But all of that stuff I mentioned earlier makes it much easier to do that. So make sure you follow us all on social media at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook. Whatever podcast app you happen to be using, if you leave us a little five-star or one-sentence review on Facebook or podcast or Stitcher or iTunes, whatever you're using, it really helps people find us, new people come into the conversation, and then they end up having a good time too. So we really appreciate it. I read every single one of those, and I, I it always makes me smile. Make sure that you all go on down to uh, BSN Denver. I say it like it's a place. Go, head on down to BSNDenver.com and buy yourself 
a t-shirt at bsndenvermerch.com. <laughs> or, you know, just subscribe to the site. Uh, you know, we're going to have this, a couple of huge features coming up soon. Our features are going to be a little bit fewer and farther between, but larger in scope uh, now that the season is winding down and the team has been less competitive. But if you're a fan of any of the other sports, including now Buffs and Rams college sports, you can get access to all of our coverage for one yearly fee at 35 bucks. That's when we're not doing a sale and you get a free t-shirt. It's a really fantastic deal. So if you've been on the fence about it, if you're into any of these other sports, check them out. Our Buffs coverage has been phenomenal. A big win over Nebraska yesterday. A lot of fun things coming out of that end. So make sure you check them out and give them a follow as well. I hope all of you will continue to be absolutely awesome. You know I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. This episode on the BSN Podcast Network is brought to you by Total Beverage. With more than 70,000 square feet between their Westminster and Thornton locations, there's literally no drink you can't find. I love Total Beverage. I go there probably once a week. That's BSN Sales Director Lindsay Sauer. She's a regular at Total Beverage. I know when I go in there that I am going to get uh, the best bang for my buck, hands down. And if you can't make it in the store, don't worry. Just go to totalbeverage.net and place an order online. I have also taken advantage of their delivery service. They always give me, um, you know, an hour window. I don't have to wait around all night or all day. And make sure to like the Total Beverage Facebook page to see weekly specials. Remember, for wine, beer, spirits, go to Total Beverage.